United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. The big news over the weekend, without a doubt, or Friday and over the weekend, was President Biden and the all-important summit that he held with a historic summit with leaders of South Korea and Japan. And this was monumental. And the imagery from Camp David was truly historic. And so that makes my next guest even more important to talk about this important summit. Myrna Gaelic, uh, China and East Asia Senior Analyst for the United States Institute of Peace, is joining me. Myrna, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Alice. I'm glad you could join me on the on the day where, you know, this summit was so critical. We had President Joe Biden on Friday signing historic agreements with the leaders of South Korea and Japan. And what this really did, bridging the, the fraught history between the two countries, and there were promises of strengthening each nation's economic and national security interests. Mirna, why was that so critically important? Well, this really was a very historic summit. And if you look at the White House's announcements about the summit, they call the sort of statement that came out of it the spirit of Camp David, which is, again, very sort of, you know, beautiful language and quite sort of cognizant of the the very kind of historical nature of this. And I think what you're seeing with the summit is a really great example of a phenomenon that we are also seeing a lot more of in the Indo-Pacific and generally, which is increasing ties between the individual spokes of the U.S. Um, alliance system of hubs and spokes in the region. So this is a, a great example of how those individual spokes like Japan and Korea are increasingly doing more and more together and creating kind of a mesh between those those hubs and spokes. And, and what kind of message uh, is descending to China? Well, I think there's a lot of messages that are being sent here to the region as a whole. I think you're seeing a feeling of real power and potential that these countries are seeing working together as strong economies, strong militaries and democracies with shared values to kind of coordinate for better outcomes in general for regional partners and regional stability. So, you know, there are messages that are directed here to ASEAN partners, to Pacific Island nations, to North Korea and also to China. Um, And what these messages are saying is that these countries are going to be working together, that they're kind of indivisible in many ways, and that they are presenting a stronger united front with stronger deterrence and stronger coordination with one another. And and again, the the imagery of of being there with the the backdrop of of Camp David uh, and seeing foreign leaders who are not our allies, what does that say to them, the the unity uh, of the United States, South Korea, and Japan? So it's very important because South Korea and Japan are are very significant nations in East Asia vis-a-vis uh, North Korea and China, and also in the region as a whole as large sort of capable capacity building nations for um, ASEAN and other partners and also um, funding nations for, for these countries, for these developing countries in the region. So the idea of them sort of getting together and ensuring that their efforts are coordinated rather than piecemeal and that they're building on the respective advantages of these three partners is, is very important because that sh- that tells the region we're united, we're going to be focusing on the region, we're going to be working together to ensure stability, to ensure uh, the continuation of the rules-based international order, to ensure that countries in the region are seeing the benefits of 
globalization and other things. So I think it's a it's a very strong message. And I want to ask you this. My, my guest, Myrna Gaelic, uh, with the United States Institute of Peace, and your organization is it's a nonpartisan, independent institute uh, founded by Congress. It's really dedicated to a, a world uh, without violent conflict and, and trying to, to seek that. How is that important in that this, it's a nonpartisan issue? This isn't Republican or Democrats. And, and to seek peace... Uh, in across the world, we need to work together, Republicans and Democrats. Absolutely, yes. I mean, USIP is dedicated to peace everywhere around the world, and it is, as you say, exactly a nonpartisan issue. It, you know, the United States as a whole benefits from peace and stability around the world, and this is not something that it's just for Republicans or just for Democrats. This is a united U.S. posture, and USIP is really committed to working on this. And with this summit, you really do see, again, this sort of push for from the United States and from partners in this region for peace and stability. You have what, what I think is one of the most kind of interesting outcomes of the summit is to sort of have this attempt from the United States to really build on the upswing in Japan-Korea relations, to really institutionalize trilateral cooperation going forward. And this will, again, in, in theory, help increase stability in the region. So they've, they've announced a number of things, including annual meetings at the leader and minister level, joint military exercises in various domains, which send a strong deterrent signal to North Korea, especially, but in some ways also to China. They've got mechanisms for real-time exchange of missile data and an annual dialogue in the Indo-Pacific. And this, again, comes to the point that we just talked about earlier, which is the sort of benefits that these countries want to ensure that Indo-Pacific partners see from their cooperation. Well, and that's so critical, um, keeping an eye on the, the threats that are imposed by North Korea and China. Uh, the White House made sure to say that the, the, this summit and these conversations uh, and the agreements would be long term. And he stressed mm-hmm. that the agreements would remain in place, even if Donald Trump were to return to the White House. So how important is that assurance? It's very important. I think partners in the region want to know that the U.S. values its alliances, regardless of who is sitting in the presidential chair. But I think, again, this institutionalization effort is also useful for Japan and South Korea because, you know, they've had a lot of tensions in their relationship until very recently. And, you know, in terms of domestic publics, the Korean public is still sort of split on whether better relations with Japan are positive. So, trying to sort of institutionalize regular meetings and depoliticize them and make them less of like a big event like this one was, I think helps sort of insulate um, these relationships and these continued meetings from the sort of politicization that is possible with both a U.S. president who's not as helpful and um, changes maybe in the, the domestic relationships within Japan and Korea. Well, and I, and I think that's, you know, to your point, it's so important for internationally people to understand this agreement and these uh, issues that they have agreed on are, will last uh, this administration and certainly ones to follow and that stability I'm sure as you well know is is critical for these types of talks. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining me Mirna Galix, uh, China and East Asia Senior Analyst for the United States Institute of Peace doing such wonderful work uh, in a nonpartisan way to implement peace across the globe. Mirna, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me.
This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.